Welcome to Season 5 of the Shock Your Potential Podcast with your host, best-selling author and international speaker, Michael Sherlock. The Shock Your Potential Podcast is dedicated to entrepreneurs looking to up their game, increase their income, and scale their businesses to new heights. Shock Your Potential is a professional services company providing affordable services to small businesses, matching entrepreneurs with virtual assistants, and offering specialized leadership and sales training to companies around the world. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and listen in now to another motivating episode that will help you to shock your potential. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long, you know, this is one of my favorite series. Why? Because we're talking to authors, and we call this one Authors with a Twist. And my guest today is going to have a twist, not only in the stories that he writes, but how he got into this, specifically in the topic he writes in fiction. I can't wait to meet him. Mark Shaken is the author of The Legal Thriller, Fresh Start, and actually his new one that we're going to talk about as well. And he's also written a book called, and just like that, Essays on a Life Before, During, and After the Law. Now, this is going to be really interesting because he practiced commercial bankruptcy law before moving on to his other endeavors, including writing hmm, at a particular time. uh, And I believe one of his books came out right at the beginning of the pandemic. So 2019 was a pivotal year. I think 2020 was even more. And I can't wait to learn more about him, about his books, and how he got here. So, Mark, thank you for joining me today. That's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So talk a little bit about the transition from bankruptcy attorney to author. How did you make that leap? I was uh, kind of an accidental attorney. Um, (laughs) As by my senior year in college, I still hadn't really figured out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And um, I took a year off. I drove a forklift, not particularly well, and gave me some more time on the graveyard shift to give some thought to what to do with the college degree. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I decided that I would go to law school, not so much because I wanted to be a lawyer, but I figured it would give me three more years to figure out what I wanted to do, <laughs> which um, is, is not, uh, surprisingly, not terribly unusual amongst the law student body. Um, mm-hmm. Not that I've taken a a Gallup poll or anything, but you, you, you learn that there's a whole bunch of people that come out of college and may not actually have a, a defined purpose just yet. Um, so I law school's three years. By the third year, I still hadn't figured out what I was going to do with my life. And um, uh, one of the local bankruptcy judges posted a little three by five card at the placement office. This is before the internet mm-hmm. um, a method of you know getting a job. And he was looking for a, a clerk for uh, two to three years and I applied. He liked me. I loved him. And um, that's really my first foray into bankruptcy. And it seems like uh, right after that, 38 years later, I was still doing it. <laughs> Although I certainly entertained along the, the path numerous uh, moments uh, where I wondered, is this really should, what I should be doing? Mm-hmm. Um, I had always wanted to write. Um, I was an American Lit major in, in college. Oh. and a history major. And um, I always figured I'd circle back to that dream. Um, I spent a lot of time dreaming, uh, which is fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with coming home from a hard day at work and uh, in court and then dreaming a little bit about maybe something else that you know you could be doing all day. Sure. Um, after um, about 35 or six years, I started thinking about what comes next a little bit more seriously. 
uh, for, and for a lawyer, that's kind of hard because you, you know, people ask you, um, who are you? And you answer the question at a cocktail party, well, I'm yep. a lawyer. Well, that's really who, what you do. That's not necessarily who you are. Right. Um, and I struggled with that. I think a lot of professionals struggle with that question. Um, uh, but ultimately, I, I, I sort of put together this, this plan that I would um, exit the, the practice of law, exit going to court every day, um, and move into other things that, that maybe I have more of a passion for, writing. Um, I'm now able to have time to serve on boards that, that for organizations that, that mean something to me and give them much more of my time than just the occasional uh, meeting. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, um, I play guitar and always have, and um, I have a lot more time to play guitar, so that makes me happy too. <laughs> I was going to ask you if now all your time is taking up in just writing, but it sounds like you've had the opportunity to pursue not only other passions, but other ways to give back in the community. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, there's this uh, interesting, famous quote from Winston Churchill amongst the many that he, that he gave us. And, and it, to paraphrase, it was, you know, you measure a life by what you, you measure a career by what you get. Maybe you measure a life by what you give. Well, um, as, a, as a lawyer, as a bankruptcy lawyer, you, you certainly have clients that are grateful for what you've, you've done for them. But it's a little harder to, to look at that and say that, you know, I've given the world something better. I've, right. I've, helped, I've helped somebody not pay their debt, maybe, but that may not be something that the world is terribly interested in. Now yeah. I can, you know, in small ways, um, I, I can help. Um, I'm on one of the Habitat. Uh, I'm on the Habitat Finance Committee here in Denver, and I can drive by a Habitat community and say maybe in some small way I helped a family move into that house. And that makes me feel good. And so then I can sort of measure a little bit better uh, for the next phase of my life what I'm giving. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I do. I appreciate that very much. There were times early in my career um, where I was served on a lot of different boards and volunteer boards and boards of directors because it was good for my career at that point in time. And I enjoyed it and I was very glad I did it, but I was always exhausted because I was also working full time. And I never felt like I could give any one of those organizations really what I would have wanted to. So I can see the appeal in being able to do that at a different level and really seeing some direct connection to giving back. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I usually ask people how what you do today helps people to shock their potential. But what I actually, you know, and just in talking so far, what I want to ask you is from making the transition from an attorney to an author and being able to pursue these other pursuits, how has this transition helped you to shock your own potential? Um, well, quite a bit. Um, like any, any career after you've done it for almost four decades, you tend to find yourself doing the same thing over and over again. There aren't new things that you're doing. You're, you're doing things hopefully well, but it's the same thing you've been doing for a while. And that, that after, uh, after a bit, that, that kind of um, changes sort of your perspective on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, I think when I left the practice of law in 2019, you know, just before the pandemic, so when I left the practice of law in 2019, um, I was really looking forward to learning some more about myself. Am I going to be able to write? Will I really sit down at the computer for hours a day and do that? Or am I going to get distracted and, and find that I don't have the discipline uh, to, to, to do it? And so I did learn some things about myself. I enjoy writing. Um, I enjoy, you know, sort of um, creating the, the tale, the story, because mm -hmm. stories are super important in fiction. Probably the plot and the characters are the most important thing. 
Yes. Um, which is a big change from you know literature in college. In college, they don't really care about the plot. They want to talk about what the author meant and what, what's the greater issue that the author is addressing. In, in at least in my fiction, it's all about the characters and the plot. And I think that's what the most readers are interested in if they're going to focus on fiction mm -hmm. as, a, as something to read. Um, so I, I've learned a ton about myself and um, I, I, I am getting better at writing, which um, is a good thing. So I'm learning things with each book that some, my audience liked or didn't like and trying to adjust to the, to the Amazon star system and comment system that we all uh, mm -hmm. live, live through these days. Um, but it's great feedback, it really is. Um, and then I've been doing book clubs um, and that's been fascinating, you know, people that love to read and they're inviting me uh, into their club to then talk about one of my books that they've read and it's on the docket for a discussion. So I really am enjoying it. I think so too. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that myself. So I, I've published a couple of books that are business books, but I wrote them in narrative form. And I have been also then working on my first novel. And then it got sidelined for a little bit, but I'm almost, I've got like 40 pages to finish. And everybody's like, will you finish the novel? And I'm like, I'm almost there. I promise, I promise it's coming. But um, what we've been planning to do is actually launch it by a bunch of book clubs. And I'm very excited about that because it, to me, that'll be a whole different way to reach an audience different from the business uh, trainings that I do. So I'm very excited. I bet that's been really fun to it's have a personal blast. interaction with, with your readers that way. Yeah, I predict you'll love that. It's it's direct contact. And it's, you know, I didn't really get to do book signings because of COVID. Mm -hmm. and at least the local bookstores really weren't open for customers, right. certainly pre-vaccine. Um, but the, the book club thing is even better because they've all read the book mostly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you're in a bookstore, you're interacting with folks that are going to read the book. So they don't actually know what they're getting into. Right. Absolutely. I remember I went, uh, my neighborhood, we had a book club for a couple of years and one of the books, I think, I think it was Gone Girl. I think it was the book. And I remember I wanted to go to the book club because I wanted to see everybody, but I said, you cannot talk about the ending. I will leave. I will, I'll come, I'll have wine. We can talk about the beginning of the book, but if any of you say anything about the ending, I'm going to, this, we're done. Our friendship is done. Um, and luckily nobody spilled the beans, but it was, it was quite an experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so talk about, so your first book, which was the essays on a life before, during, and after law. Tell me, was that the first book you wrote? No, that's actually the third. I wrote two ah. um, sort of legal technical books um, while I practiced that I had a publishing company for. I had Aspen Publishing. So I wrote, they edited, they printed, they marketed. It was bliss. Um, I decided to self-publish um, in the, the books I'm writing after um, my law practice. Uh, it's quite different. You still write, but yeah. you're also the marketing department. You're yeah. creating or, or signing off on a design. You're dealing with editors that you've hired. Yeah. Uh, and then you're trying to figure out, well, how will I get my name out there? What am I going to do? Right. Um, and you know, I'm learning from that too, because um, I, I knew how to market myself as a lawyer. I honestly didn't know how to market myself as an author and it's different. But it's been, it's been um, for me, it's been exhilarating. It's kind of cool. The first book was kind of, I call it a memoir of a not famous lawyer. Yeah. Um, and it was my path into, uh, during, and then out of the law. Um, and it's a series of essays that I honestly kind of wrote themselves over the, the decades in my mind. Mm -hmm. um, it's been really interesting, though, because that book 
um, uh, has, well, I get phone calls and emails, emails asking for phone calls from lawyers all over the world who have read the book and want to talk about how they can um, part with the practice of law. Wow. And I'm, I'm not a career counselor. I'm not a career pivot you know, expert whatsoever. And I, I, I've said many times, and I say in the book that I don't have any lists of how to do this because it's so personal. It's different for every person. Yeah. It's how I did it and how I, my thought process evolved about it. But it's truly fascinating how hard it is for many professionals, not just lawyers, to figure out what comes next in life, or are they going to do this until the day they die at their desk? Yeah. Um, and um, it's it's hard to figure out what you're going to do. I'm, I spent a lot of time thinking about retiring from the law, mm-hmm. and finally got better at the whole thought process when I thought it. Uh, when I finally realized, well, maybe I should be retiring to, to something rather than retiring from something. And okay. at least for me, that little change in how I was thinking made a huge difference. So the book kind of traces that in um, a, a whole bunch of essays about different aspects of uh, how to go to law school, a little bit about my background and, and growing up, uh, getting into law school, what law school is like, what it's like to work in a big firm, which is where I spent most of my career um, practicing bankruptcy. And then what the exit was like. I love it. Um, and, you know, talk about navigating the Amazon world and the ratings and all that. I was really intrigued taking a look at it because the comments are great. The ratings are incredible. I knew it was a vastly different book than obviously your fiction, which we're going to talk about in a minute after the break. But I think that your point is spot on. There's a lot of people, whether they uh, own their own firm or medical practice or dental practice or their own business or work for another company, there are a lot of people who struggle when it comes to that time of separating themselves from this career. And like you said, it's not what I am. It was what I did. So when I answer that question, you know, and I get that today too, like people go, well, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, uh, I'm an author, I'm a speaker, I'm a trainer. And I'm like, you know, even those things, they are part of me, but they're not all of me. So I've been, I have the same thing as like, how do you explain who you are rather than what you do? And how do you incorporate that in the rest of your life? So you're not defined by that, which is, I think, something a lot of us have, have, have asked ourselves much differently since the pandemic. For sure. The mm-hmm. pandemic advanced a lot of thought process in all of this. Yeah. And plus, we've all, we've all had a lot of time alone <laughs> to, to, to think. Uh, but absolutely. Yeah. And not so many cocktail parties. <laughs> not, not hardly any. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Mark, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor for the month, and we will be right back. Do you want to be a go-to expert that news reporters, anchors, and media producers turn to? Are you a media professional looking for credible, reliable, and timely guests? If you answered yes to either of those questions, then Shock Your Media Potential is for you. This one-of-a-kind platform connects vetted experts with news professionals around the globe. As a part of our launch celebration, you can participate for free in our Shock Your Media Potential virtual conference running March 28th through April 1st. Together with my co-host, Eddie Luisi, known as stage manager to the stars and also stage manager for Good Morning America, we have interviewed 25 media personalities and professionals to ask them the questions you need to know the answers to. Like, how can I make myself more newsworthy? How do I best pitch a story? 
how do I get invited back again and again, and much more. Some of our guests are household names with exceptional on-camera careers. Others are award-winning directors, producers, camera operators, audio engineers, celebrity hair and makeup professionals, and so much more. To learn more about our platform and our conference today, go to shockyourmediapotential.com. And we are back with Mark Shaken. And now I just can't wait to get into the uh, a little bit of the background of your two novels and talk a little bit. I mean, obviously, as I read it, I was like, oh, clearly he must have been a bankruptcy attorney. And that was before I read your bio because I was just looking at your books first. I love that they're kind of almost ripped from the headlines, maybe, of you know, probably not true or maybe little bits of them true. But what a great thing to merge what you used to do with how you want to express yourself in writing. How did these books come about and, and where, how, well, how did they come about first? And I have some other questions for you. Well, bankruptcy is a very business oriented practice area. Um, it's this whole federal law. It's been around since 1898. Um, but, you know, when people come in the office and they need um, help, um, their problems are business related. They don't have enough money. They have access to money, but they can't get their hands on it. All kinds of variations of what goes wrong that would cause a company to file a bankruptcy case for protection. Um, and it is what I did for, you know, for, for decades. And um, you're right what you know. That's the first rule. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had this idea that, well, how about if I took the legal thriller genre, which is packed full of great lawyers, okay. not, like the, not like the legal memoir uh, genre where it's <laughs> not as packed. Um, but what would happen if I took that genre and I made my legal thriller uh, a bankruptcy legal thriller? So I did a little research. I couldn't find anyone that had really done this. Thomas Wolfe wrote a book years ago where there's a, a bad loan and a workout officer from a bank trying to collect the loan. But that's about as close as it ever came. And then I thought, you know, well, maybe there's a good reason why there's no bankruptcy legal thrillers because nobody would read it. Um, so I wanted to try to make the books approachable. I don't want them to make them too, you know, too legal, uh, where the only people who would read it would be legal wonks, which might only be lawyers. So I hoped that I could create something that was interesting, but not overwhelming mm -hmm. um, to folks. Um, so it's set in Kansas City. It's a bankruptcy legal thriller. Each book will have a debtor, the one who owes the money. The first book, Fresh Start, the, the debtor is a developer of skyscrapers who's moved to Philly from the East Coast. I'm sorry, moved to um, Kansas City from Philadelphia from the East Coast. Mm -hmm. And there's a banker chasing him. And um, the, the banker has uh, had a gut reaction. Um, and the bankers um, oftentimes are amazing in their ability to assess the, the mm -hmm. I'll call it the veracity of the person who owes the money. <laughs> and the banker has decided that, that this guy Witherman is his name is hiding assets. And she doesn't know where she doesn't know how she doesn't know how much but her mission becomes to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Hiding assets in bankruptcy is a felony. Mm -hmm. um, at some point, I got asked this question over and over again, is that really realistic? Do people really do that? And then um, Boris Becker recently was the, the famous tennis star, Boom Boom Becker. Oh, from the, yes. He, he was convicted of the felony in England of yeah. hiding assets in his bankruptcy case. So he's yeah. going to go to jail. Yeah. And so my, I now have a much better answer <laughs> that I can to that question. Sure, it's realistic. It happens. And it was, um, that was a lot in his case. When that was yeah. just breaking, I was like, oh my gosh, how do you do that when you're famous even? You know, I mean, especially because somebody, 
somewhere is going to know there's something going on at some point in time. Yeah. So Witherman decides to hide assets from his lawyer, from the bankruptcy court, from you know, the, the bank, of course. And so the, the plot line of the book is, you know, will the banker commit a felony to catch a felon? The only way that she's going to do able to prove that he's doing it is to uh, herself consider what level of uh, investigation she's willing to do and how far over the line she's willing to go. So I have to know, because her name is Josephine Jillian Jones, and you call her 3J. Where'd you come up with that? That's really creative. You know, I, um, Jillian um, is a name I've always loved, as well as Josephina, and I thought those are such complicated names, I better give her a simple last name. <laughs> and so <laughs> I gave her the, the name Josephina Jillian Jones, and my, my wife asks me, where do you come up with these crazy names sometimes? And uh, honestly, I'm not entirely sure, um, but... You know, uh, if I'm starting a book and there's an unnamed character because I haven't figured out the name, it, it'll be blank, <laughs> Mr. Blank, until mm -hmm. I'll figure it out. But, you know, there's a million places on the internet where you can kind of research names. And then there's sort of the historical aspect, which is the Quincy Wertherman piece. Um, Quincy's great, 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 great grandfather um, was somebody who came over on the Mayflower and lived in Philadelphia and couldn't pay his debts back after the Revolutionary War and ended up in a debtor's prison. So there's a whole leak, there's a whole um, historical fiction aspect to Fresh Start in that Quincy, mm -hmm. um, well, his great-great-great-great-grandfather's bankers tossed him into jail when he couldn't pay his debts back. Now, we don't do that to debtors anymore, but right. we did back then. Yeah, I think and, at Eastern State Penitentiary, that's like a few blocks from my house. <laughs> yeah, so that the penitentiary in Fresh Start is real. It was the Prune Street Prison in Philadelphia, which was notorious for going people going there and never getting out. Um, and um, and Prune Street's now Walnut Street for any Philadelphia right. um, residents. Um, but I, I, I like to have some historical aspect in the books, and I've continued that in the new book, An Automatic Stay. Um, and I, I enjoy that. So it kind of draws on the things that I'm I'm kind of interested in. But coming up with a hook for a plot line is is the, the it, it's my hope that that's what will set uh, fresh start and automatic stay apart a little bit. People kind of get hooked on the plot and mm -hmm. feel like they they need to read it till the end to figure out what happens. I love it. So I love how you're pulling through. You know, you had this one major and you were interested in literature and English and the power of the written word, but you were also interested in history and you wove the two in with your experience as an attorney. I mean, that it's a really great marriage of those, the one piece of your life that you didn't necessarily want or seek, but did. And the other two that were always a piece of you somehow, but that you didn't pursue until now. It's a really nice marriage. Thank you. I, I like it. <laughs> do you have that? Do you see yourself writing more books in this uh, in this series? Yeah. So the Automatic Stay just came out um, about ten days ago, and um, the new new book will uh, I've started, and it'll be named um, Unfair Discrimination. So all three of the titles come from something that's in the bankruptcy code: Fresh Start, Automatic Stay, and now Unfair Discrimination. Um, unfair discrimination is this bizarre term that's always been in the bankruptcy code, suggesting that there's some kind of discrimination that's fair. <laughs> um, and, um, and the modifier just seems you know, completely out of place, but it's always been there. And so the new book will be uh, about that, which is, which is good because 3J is an African-American woman partner at a big firm in Kansas City. I I'm obviously not a, a woman or an African-American um, uh, and, uh, but to me, it was important to have, um, 
as much diversity as I could in the books. That's important to me. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously I need to, and I do, I think, respect that I'm, I'm not black, I'm not a woman. And so the, the trials and tribulations of making it through a large law firm uh, as a black woman, I, I'll never actually know what that's like. I'm not gonna be able to walk in those shoes, but that to me, that doesn't mean that I shouldn't um, celebrate the diversity that we have in the country and try to make as many characters as I can come from a different walk of life than I do. Mm -hmm. I love um, that. So, so the unfair discrimination and 3J in the next book are, are gonna sort of collide a little bit. Oh, very good. Oh, I like nice teaser there. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, I know exactly what you mean about names. Um, it was, uh, as I'm writing the novel, I've been, uh, because my novel takes place in Rhodes, Greece. And it was based on a trip that I took there with my husband when we went traveling there with somebody who's from Rhodes. And so when I'm introducing a new character, I just call them all, usually I call them all Frank, you know, until I don't know, even man or woman, until I'm like determined. But I've had the, uh, the like I'll search, you know, top baby names in 1945 uh, in Rhodes, Greece. Right. <laughs> and you try and go with what would have been that. And I've come up with some really interesting names and I've changed them based on how I felt later as I added other new characters in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Um, it is. Yeah. Names are important and the feelings they evoked. That's why when I saw 3J, I was like, I just love that sense because you can see somebody that has so much alliteration in her name and so much, you know, the, just a powerful, large name to say, hey, let's make this easier, but also have it be something. It tells me she must be, very a little quirky a little fun i don't know for sure but i'm assuming so <laughs> she's all of that she's, she's a fun character um um in the, in the, so on this names thing in the new book the automatic stay it's the six jazz clubs the 3j files bankruptcy for six jazz clubs in kansas city that managed to survive the pandemic but couldn't get much beyond that mm -hmm. and um the owners of the clubs are these um, huge jazz aficionados in Kansas City, um, but fictional, and I wanted them to have kind of a New Orleans kind of name, and boy, that was a little hard. I called them, I named them the Rapinos, um, which was a combination of three different names I found doing the same kind of research you're describing, um, and uh, yeah, so um, the name part is, is kind of fun because you're sort of creating a, a human <laughs> on paper. It is. It's, it is really like the birth of a child. Mm -hmm. And, and it's a lot of work. And there's a lot of, I found with my first book um, that, that I wrote, I actually wrote it very quickly. It, and it was a leadership book, but I wrote it in narrative form. And it took me six weeks to write the whole thing. Eight months later, when I was still editing, my husband's like, you got to birth this thing. Like, you, this is done. This is nine months. Yeah. <laughs> Get it out. <laughs> Editing, um, you really edit when you write. You, um, you become an editor more than a writer. You get it down once, and then you, you know, depending upon your personality, like you say, I mean, you could spend fifteen you know, rounds of editing, and it could go on for months, and it, it exceeds the amount of time it took to write the first draft. So, yeah. the editing process is pretty fascinating. Well, and I do know it's time for me to finish my last book because I said I was going to get it done after my son's wedding and my son's wedding was a week ago, Saturday. So it's time. I have no more excuses. It's time to finish it. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Mark, I know we're going to have all of your contact information on our show notes, including links to all your books. But in case somebody wants to look you up right now and they don't want to look up the show notes, what's the best way for them to find you? Um, I think the best way is my website, which is markshakenauthor.com. 
that's by far the easiest way. That'll get you links. Uh, that'll give you contact information for me if you want to reach out and connect. Excellent. Now, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers who maybe have a hidden author in them or maybe somebody who's thinking about changing their career or whatever you want to tell me? I'm just giving you some ideas, but it's up to you. Yeah, I, I would say that the thing that for me that that I learned to reject was the, the question, well, what else will you do? Mm -hmm. Which to me embedded in that is, well, what else can you do? Which kind of is a game ender. And I don't think that people were necessarily built to only do one thing in life. And so don't let anyone convince you that there's only one thing you can do. There's many things you can do and your job, identify what they are and how would you pursue them? Excellent. I love it. Mark, thank you so much. I'm very excited. And I, I can tell you right now, I'm going to download your books and I'm going to read them and then I'm going to be hooked and then I'm going to be hounding you for when the third book's coming out. So it has been an absolute pleasure having you with us today. Thanks for being our guest. Thanks. It's been a blast. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today. <laughs>